0: All right, so back in Genesis this morning, uh, Genesis chapter 7, verse 11, and the uh, plan is to finish out the chapter. Uh, but today, the title of today's message is The Lord Shut Him In. The Lord Shut Him In, and uh, the hymn would be Noah and his family. But, uh, you know, thinking about last week's studying and uh, just the days after, uh, you know, thinking about who wrote Genesis, uh, you know, Moses did. You know, the Pentateuch, the first five books, of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. You know, we talked to the sacrificial animals uh, last week. And, uh, you know, Moses knew who those were. And uh, when he, when God gave the law, but also interesting that they knew that back then as well in some form. Uh, but remember that they were, uh, Noah and his family were building the ark, preparing the ark, and they were ready to get in right up to the flood, uh, right up to that last minute. Um, but just a side note, you know, we're in Genesis and I've been thinking lately, I've seen other things lately about uh, evolution, uh, but you know, I think it really settled in my heart why I know evolution is false, because what did God say? He said things would produce according to their kind, right? In Genesis 1.11, that was first mentioned, and what is, the, what is the, the basis of evolution? That things don't pre- reproduce according to their kind, that eventually something will not reproduce according to its kind. And make something else. Now, I definitely know that there's, I think, falsely labeled microevolution, where there's changes within a species, within a family, and get to breed the dogs. But uh, macroevolution, it's like, I don't, I don't need it proven anymore to me. It's, it's obvious who creates these lies because it's going against God's word. It's like Adam and Eve. You know, what was the temptation to go against God's word? And, uh, you know, there's plenty of evidence otherwise. I know you guys see it, um, but you know, God said differently. And even when the you know the evidence is plain as day, you know we're either gonna it's gonna come down to what, what God said versus what man said. And uh, you know I think the same goes for the flood. You know a lot of people are trying to discount the flood. There's been these debates lately with uh, you know popular scientists and uh, and the guys at the Creation Museum. You know, but it really comes down to you know who are you gonna believe? You can believe man's word or God's word? And even when we look at the evidence, you know it's like we believe blindly. Uh, there's evidence for it. We talked about the age of deserts, coral reefs, etc. There's evidence uh, for the biblical account of the flood. But I think you know, in the end, it's it's who do we believe? It's really who do we believe? Um, you know, because in the end, in the end, what God said is going to stand. What God said um, is going to be the thing that outlasts everything we say. You know, we uh, look at all these statues being torn around in the country. What do you think about one way or the other? These guys were famous in their day or important in their day, enough to get a statue. But now their time has run their course apparently. And even the things that they said and they stood for will be taken down and no longer remembered. You know, the things that we do, as great as they are, eventually they're going to uh, fade away and go away. But God's word uh, remains. You know, Jesus said in Matthew 5:18 and 19, For assuredly I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law, to those all fulfilled. Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. God's word is going to last forever. You know I think it's it's dangerous in these last days where we begin to twist God's word to try and meet our expectations of what it should mean uh, to meet what people what we think people are going to accept us for by sharing it uh, what people what other people believe we try and bend our beliefs so they don't think uh, strangely about us, but you know what, Jesus warns them that you know, we better teach God's kingdom and God's word accurately, no matter what people think of us, uh, no matter what people say about us, because if we don't, we've only got one person to answer to, and that's Jesus. And, you know, we're talking in the car right over here, you know, Alicia loves to copy her big brother Jacob, we're right? like, Jacob, you know, if you do good, she's going to copy you to do good, and if you do bad, she'll copy you to do bad, you don't want to be responsible for that, do you? You know? You know, we don't want to. We don't want to cause anyone to stumble. I'd rather teach the word as narrowly and as simply as I can understand it. You know, that other people, you know, struggle with you know the ins and outs of creation and evolution, then um, you know, get up one day before God and say, say, you know what? I, I did kind of. I was kind of scared of what they think if I really believe the Bible said what it really believes." You know, but with that, you know, that very narrow way that we're supposed to walk. You know, do you ever feel? Shut in. You feel shut in. You know we're kind of shut in right now. You know there's windows, people would see us. The doors are unlocked, so technically someone could get in. Uh, but you know maybe think of a recluse or someone who doesn't leave the house at all. You know they got a building, it's called a phobia where you know they're they're physically, mentally uh, handicapped in a way where they don't want to leave the house or they're scared to leave the house. Uh, in this day and age, I don't really blame them. <laughs> you know I, there's so many things. You know a couple years ago there was Ebola going around. I forgot about that because so much. So much happens, it's like you forget all this big stuff that happens, because so much big stuff happens. Um, but you know, Paul talks about in Corinthians, you know, uh, don't, you know, basically for believers, don't be afraid to interact with the world, you know, to get away from those sort of sinning, you have to go to Mars, and then you'd be there, so that'd be it. Uh, but basically, um, you know, my family and I, we enjoy the quiet life, so to speak, you know, uh, we don't want to go out and have a big party, or go to the city, there's anything wrong sort of those things, but... We just like to do it a little differently. But even then, you know, we just like to go out. Like, we like to go interact with people to some degree. You know, we're going on a train ride next week. Um, but more than that, as believers, we shouldn't be so recluse. We shouldn't be so caught up. We should be out in the world and at least maybe, you know, obviously we can't have fellowship with the world in a sense where we're going to be as deep as a friend with them, but we're going to share with them. We're going to interact with the world and, and be kind to unbelievers. You know, the Bible talks that, that no man is an island to himself. A lot of times we feel like, oh, I can just shut myself in my room and never come out, and it's not going to affect anybody. But it does. You know, it, these cause waves. You know, maybe you don't show up to a family thing, or you don't, you're not involved in with your friend's life, and you miss out, on it, and they really miss out too. Uh, it's not a two-way street. You know, um, there's all these memes about. I want to mess it up, but you know, you're like, you like make plans, and then you realize you have to go through with going out and hanging out. You know, like, why can't I just say, home? Oh, you know, that's really our culture. We want to be shut in. We want to be separated uh, on, our, on our terms these days. And again, with the way things are in the world, it, 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 some of it makes sense. Um, but maybe, you know, you feel shut in in your job. Maybe you feel stuck in your job. Um, you know, that, uh, or like my wife. You're like, I didn't, I didn't fill out the application for this job. <laughs> we were talking before that, you know, the kids are asking, well, who's mommy's boss? Well, mommy doesn't have a boss. You know, we first said, like, Jesus, and then we joked to me, but really she doesn't have a boss, because if she had a job, she'd take care of the kids, you know, she got better things going on. But maybe feel feel shudder. You know, I love my job, you know, like I've shared with you guys, like, I'm in the basement, I work from home now, but at first, that was a big adjustment. You know, I'm still trying to figure out, okay, well, how can I get outside more and do more things, uh, because it, it, it does play with your mind a little bit, not even all the time. Um... But you know, it took some getting used to from all those years of commuting every day to not commuting, and I enjoy it. But you know, it's definitely it's a change in life that I have to figure out how to do uh, life. Um, you know, maybe you feel like you're stuck in a cubicle. I don't know. I would maybe feel uh, that there's a situation that there's no way out of. You know, I remember years ago working for a company in New Jersey. It was a good job, but you know, I was a young believer and I had other priorities and stuff, and, and uh, I just felt hopeless. I felt like you know this was a, a dead end job. That there was—it was a good job. There was no way up, you know. I was stuck in an industry that I didn't want to be in. Uh, you know, I felt like, man, I'm never going to get out of here. I'm always going to have this super long commute, all this stuff. And uh, you know, there God, you know, it reminded me or showing me the way that it wasn't going to be forever. You know that, but that while I was in it, I needed to be faithful in it. And I don't know that I did the best job of being faithful many years ago, but you know, the seasons change. You know, if we feel stuck in something or closed or trapped in something. You know, we need to consider maybe why we're trapped in there. Consider why we're stuck in there. You know, really learn to go through it. Um, but, you know, sometimes, usually we think of this as a bad thing, like being claustrophobic. You know, I don't like being shut in. Don't tuck me into the sheets. You know, when you go to the, the hotel, they have the sheets all, like, stuck. I'm like, no, rip them out of there. Get my feet free. You know, do <laughs> stick out of there. You know? <laughs> you know, when you're little, you cover your feet. You don't have the monsters to get you. But when you're older, you, know, you want your feet out. But usually, you know, we, we associate being shut in with a bad feeling, with a bad thing. Um, and I wonder, you know, um, you know, do we ever feel shut in by the Lord? Do the circumstances in our life make us feel like there's no way out. Or maybe there's a way out, but God's not letting us open that door. Maybe we could open that door. You know, you guys are free to run out of here right now. Maybe you feel shut in right here. But, uh, but, you know, the Lord would have you stay in that situation. You know, maybe there's not even a window you get some fresh air um, you know how do we how do we get out of here uh, you know, I remember last year you know we moved back up to New York and other, and other things were on our heart when the things weren't necessarily going the way we expected to up here. And, and the Lord just saying keep asking keep seeking and keep knocking you know although I felt shut in I was to be in the situation and also to keep asking and seeking and knocking what the Lord would have what door the Lord would open and, uh, and what he would do and, and he's proven self faithful in that but with that with being shut in you know maybe you're, you're shut in for doing something wrong you know, maybe you got sent to your room so to speak physically or spiritually um, or, or maybe maybe not you know maybe he just wants you to wait maybe you're shut in because he's working something out you know maybe he's protecting you from something like Noah and the flood, we will see, he get shut in you know that's a pretty good reason to be shut in you know you want to be shut in When the whole world is being destroyed around you. Um, Or maybe, you know, there's only one now path to walk on. You know, we watched this uh, cheesy Christian movie yesterday with uh, the guy from uh, Hercules TV show. Kevin Sorbo, I guess he got saved. Uh, I know he was kind of a conservative speaker last year. And uh, this other actress that you would know. Um, But it was all about, like, in the beginning of the movie, they're they're dating and he decides instead of going to seminary, he's going to go pursue a job and a career and uh, the, it's kind of like uh, It's a Wonderful Life, and it shows what his life would be like if he hadn't made a decision. And it, it was a pretty good movie. Um, you know, it was, it was cute. It was dumb wrong. But that's the same sort of thing. Maybe there's only one narrow path God wants you to be on. And that's why he shut you in, because he's got such a specific, wonderful, good plan for your life. He's like, I don't want you to get off this path. It's going to be a tight path, it's going to be a narrow path. Um, you know, I remember the disciples said to Jesus when everyone else left to me, he asked if uh, if they would leave him, and they said, where else can we go? You know, God, we're with you, but we've got nowhere else to go. We've left everything for you. So it's like, in some sense, it's like you don't even have a choice sometimes. You know, what else could you do? All my old friends have moved on and gone, and, uh, you know, your old job, ship has sail on that, you know, old relationships are gone, you know? So sometimes you feel trapped in that way, but I think that that can be a good thing. Um, I remember being in a situation in the past with uh, different things going on in ministry and just wondering, all right, Lord, which, which way would you have us go on this? You know, do we fall on side A or side B? The God was just like, just stay close. Don't, make, don't go one way or the other. Stay real tight on the situation. It was like walking on uh, a narrow cliff because to go either way would have been a wrong decision. and To go the way he wanted was a, a lonely way, a hard way, uh, but it was uh, the better way. And today, we're going to see uh, Noah. You know, we'll see, like I said, there was God who showed him in the ark. Um, but this was to a circumstance that Noah had been preparing for for 120 years. You know, his whole life, really, was preparation for this event. Um, you know, one, I think that Noah, I believe that Noah believes there to be an end, too, like we showed God talked about the second animals. And obviously, there's going to be, you know, and after the flood of all these animals who saved God, wouldn't save him for no reason. Um, but I don't know that no one knew just how many days, weeks, or months, or years were ahead of them of this event. I don't know if he thought it would be an afternoon rain and be all taken care of. Um, I think sometimes when God shuts us in someplace, we don't know just how long it's going to take. Um, we don't know. Um, I think sometimes we think it will be shorter than, than it's going to be. Uh, but let's go uh, one more time in prayer. We will get into the word, but God, we love you. Thank you, God, for the times you shut us in, uh, either because we've been obedient for a good thing, you know, we've been obedient to what you've been telling us to do, and God, why do we feel shut in? Sometimes we feel shut in because we've been disobedient and we've worked our way into a corner, and we're in a rock and a hard place. But God, whatever reason we feel shut in, or maybe one day we will feel that way, God, and help us to look to you to get us through and to get us uh, in the right way and the right way out. God, thank you for your word. Let him minister to us today. but God, may you be lifted up. May our hearts be focused on you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Excuse me. Verse 11, we'll read 711 through 16. In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, the 17th day of the month, on that day, all the fountains of the great deep were broken up, and the windows of heaven were opened. And the rain was on the earth 40 days, and, 40 nights. and on the same day, Noah and Noah's sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and Noah's wife, and the three wives of his sons with them, entered the ark. They and every beast after its kind, all cattle after its kind, every creeping thing that creeps on the earth after its kind, and every bird after its kind, and, uh, and every bird of every sort. And they went into the ark to Noah, two by two, of all flesh, in which is the breath of life. So those that entered, male and female of all flesh, went in as God had commanded them, and the Lord shut him in. You know, it's the 600th year of Noah's life. He's 600 years old. I can't really imagine that. Um, You know, I I feel 40 creeping in slowly, but I definitely don't feel 600. But you think, all right, well, if they live to be about 900 years or so, and he's 600, you know, that's about 66 but maybe he feels about 66. I don't know. I mean, I wasn't there. But take a guess. You know, that even though he's 66, there's still a lot of left ahead of him. And even though he's 66, God's not done with him. But I think it's, re- it's a reminder of life here, you know. In the six hundred year of Noah's life, that uh, within Noah's lifetime, he would see the most death of everyone to date. You know, I don't know how many people lived on the earth at the time. There's different gods guys that, you know, summarize about how many people could have been there. Um, But he's going to see a lot of of death. And I think it's interesting that God wants to remind us of Noah's life. That even though all this death is about to happen, all this judgment is about to happen, there's still Noah's life. Noah's life is still going to go on. Noah's life is not going to be brought to death by this event. I think at least from Moses' perspective, you know, the second month, uh, IR is 29 days. It's about April and May. So it's about beginning of May, May 1st or 2nd, so to speak, for us when this happened. Um, you know, it's interesting, I looked up the names of the months of the Jewish calendar were adopted during the time of Ezra, after the return of the Babylonian exile. The names are actually Babylonian month names brought back from Israel by the returning exiles. Uh, most of the Bible actually refers to months by number, not by name. You know, say the second month and the first month, or and things of that nature. But it was the second month. Um, you know, it says that all the fountains of the great deep were broken. up during the second month, During this, uh, you know, probably, I I don't know what weather was like beforehand, but probably a nice time of year, I would think, Um, all the fountains of the Great Deep were broken up. But all this water that was under the surface, broke through and came up. Um, You know, just look, search on your favorite search engine, uh, Ocean Under Earth's Crust. Uh, There was a few years ago, i remember hearing this uh, in, uh, just reading it in regular news. It's like a Christian article or anything. Uh, but I'm going to quote from one that I found that I can find the link for you if you really want the specific source. But it says, Scientists have discovered, this is from 2014, Scientists have discovered evidence of a vast water reservoir trapped hundreds of miles beneath the surface, capable of filling Earth's oceans three times over. It's located 400 miles beneath the Earth's crust. This body of water is locked up in a blue mineral called ringwoodite that lies in the transition zone of hot rock between Earth's surface Core. uh, Interestingly, this water is not in a form familiar to us. It's either liquid and ice or vapor. Uh, Geophysicist Steve Jacobson from Northwestern University suggests it means that water on Earth may get pushed to the surface from below, contradicting previous beliefs that water was delivered via icy comets. Well, hello! The Bible has talked about these oceans underneath for a long time. We even say, you know, that under deserts, there's rivers, there's vast water tables under the earth. You know, when you uh, you dig a well on your property, you're digging down the water that's under the earth uh, but essentially they said in this one that they've discovered you know where it is and what type it is but that it's enough to fill all the oceans three times over worried about a couple of lots of ice melting there's enough water in this part of the whole earth plenty of times over you know we think about you know these underwater jets under the warrior we like really hot water basically like the ice are underwater and all these animals living in the super deep uh, you know, like all well, thousands of degrees and then just because of the pressure it gets super cold within even a few feet But in that area around it they find all sorts of life living there uh, You know, there's volcanoes coming up, you know, this uh, uh, You know, the, what is it the Yosemite super basin whatever they call it the yellow whatever Yellowstone maybe it is um, The volcano there, but that's what causes uh, all the geysers like people There's magma bubbling up it bubbles up hot into the water and uh, it's so regular it comes up you know, every couple of hours but here it says that this is when the great fountain city opened up. That God uncorked the bottle, so to speak. He shook it up a little bit and uncorked it. And all this water began to flow out from uh, underground. Um, you know, just like the super volcano that everyone's worried about. You know, if God wills it, it'll go off. You know, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if it will or not. You know, you read Revelation. You talk about uh, different places being destroyed by meteors and things. Uh, but, you know, Sodom and Gomorrah was killed with fire from heaven. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if, if something like that happened here. I think God's got something different in store, but what, what do I know? But it also says that along with these fountains of deep, that the windows of heaven were opened. That, you know, here is a time it rained first. It's hard for us to think about or imagine, but it seems to me what the Bible is teaching that this was the first time it ever rained. That uh, previously, dew and mist came out from the earth and watered the earth. Uh, you know, there was more of a greenhouse effect. They find fossils of larger plants larger animals, they've even done studies where they grow stuff in greenhouses, you know, like giant tomatoes and giant food, just because the conditions are different and more conducive to life. So I don't know what it was like back then. Things were, were just on a different scale. Um, but you know that there's this, you know, we don't know what the water was like around the, the top. Maybe it was obviously, it's not liquid water floating up and out, you know, near outer space. It's cold up there. Uh, it's cold even a few thousand feet up. Um, but Maybe it was ice crystals, maybe it was solid, maybe it wasn't, I don't know. Um, but water was above the earth and under the earth, um, and God was bringing it both down. You know, there's, there's no escaping God's judgment. It's going to come from all sides and all angles. You know, you can try and fly up, but there's water coming down, and you can try and go down, but uh, there's water uh, coming up. You know, there's this theory. I remember hearing this uh, Christian guy. There's this theory of a comet or a meteor striking the upper atmosphere, and ice crystals came down. And The reason, you know, again, it's just a theory, but it was interesting. You know, we find. Animals like woolly mammoths, uh, and that families of them that are like flash frozen to where like it's adults and babies, they have their fur, the food's still in their stomach because they're frozen so fast. And you know, that contradicts all these millions of years. And even in an ice age, it's not going to happen that quick, you know. But they were frozen so you know, cold things happen. You know, I mean, it was water, it doesn't actually say it was hot water, but there was water coming down. Um, you know, and again, we find these things that happen that really do speak to. A flood that, that happened quickly. Um, you know, but I don't, I don't know. I don't know exactly how it happened. It says that the fountains opened up, and the windows of heaven opened, and it rained and rained. Uh, but all I do know is that it began to rain like it would never rain again. You know, we've seen a lot of storms lately, but this is the most rain that has happened. And it's not going to happen like that again. God has promised that to us, as we'll see, uh, Eventually. But Matthew 5:44 through 48 Jesus says, I say to you, love your enemies, and bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes his sun rise on evil and on the good. He sends rain on the just and the unjust. That God blesses those with rain nowadays. He sends it to, to bless people. You now, This wasn't necessarily a blessing, so to speak, for the people who received receiving it. I mean, maybe it was that they weren't going to live in sin anymore. Uh, You know, but what do the animals really do? The animals don't really do anything, but God wiped them out too. But rain now is a sign of blessing. It's a sign of blessing. And that's why God reminds us with the rainbow with it. But here, you know, it's a terror. I think about all the people going through the hurricanes, down uh, in the Caribbean and America, that um, I don't know that you'd say that rain was a blessing. Those first drops would start to fall. I don't know that you'd think it was a blessing. Maybe in the northwest, well, fires, they would find it a blessing, but um, uh, not there. You know, I think some people don't like the rain. It ruins their beautiful day. And I get it, you know, know, especially if you're getting married or something, you know, want you ruin your photo op. But most of the time, some of the time at least, I enjoy the rain. Maybe it's just because I'm Irish and it's always wet. And, you know, (laughs) over there, I don't know. But I love the rain. Maybe it's just because I'm, I don't know, I'm just a dreary person I enjoy the rain. I don't know. Uh, But sometimes it's nice to take a walk in a cooler rainy day. Or yesterday, it was kind of cooler and overcast and a little drizzle, which kind of nice just to, just to relax. Uh, you know, I don't know that it's nice to drive on the Palsak like Parkway when it's like that, but, <laughs> but you know, it's nice. Or, you know, sometimes a thunderstorm. You know, our kids or animals get scared of thunderstorms, but uh, they're nice. But it says that it rained for 40 days and nights. That's solid, continuous rain. You know, like we talked about all the water that these storms dumped in just a, a few days, a few hours of continuous rain. I can't imagine 40 days uh, and 40 nights. I think I'd probably be sick of the rain by that point. <laughs> all right, this isn't much fun anymore, Lord. <laughs> can we, Forty? Can we do this to 20 days? 20 days. Again, I don't know that Noah knew just how long that this rain would last. All he knew that it was going to rain. All he knew that God was going to destroy, at least from what we're told in the scriptures. You know, I don't know if God gave him any extra info later on, but uh, you know, he just knew that it was going to wipe the whole world, and he had to build a, a boat. You know. I mean, no, he could even picture rain. Maybe he had his hose and he was trying to picture, what's rain really like? I don't know. You know, I don't know. Uh, but he didn't know how long it would last. And I wonder, how, how can he prep for that? How can he get enough food on the ark for that? Not knowing how many days it was going to be. You know, three meals a day times eight people times how many days do I need food for? You know. Like, but God knew. God knew. You know, FEMA gives guidelines for emergency preparedness for how many gallons a day, how much food, all that stuff. Um, you know, they say you should prepare, if you're going to prepare for emergencies, prepare for a day, and then a week, and then a month, and then three months to build up, you know, uh, for your family. Um, but whatever it is, you know, uh, you know, God is going to provide. We see the widow and the son about to die, and God sends Elijah to them, and, and she didn't have much, but she was faithful to do what he asked, and making bread, the last bit of bread that they had. And uh, God prepared, God filled up those, those uh, her cabinets, so to speak. I know that God will do that for us, even if we don't think we have enough. Whatever we bring in, He's going to bless. You know, a little boy with the loaves and fishes—he didn't have enough to feed those people, but God used it and blessed it. And maybe maybe Noah had exactly the right amount of food in there, and maybe he did it. But I know that if he was doing his best to be faithful to the Lord, that God would use that and bless that and care for them. And even if Noah made a mistake, I'm sure God would cover for him. You know, um, I think of all the sailors who would get scurvy back in the day, because they didn't understand they need fruit along with their meat. You know, a typical guy, I don't need anything, fruit, <laughs> give me meat. But they would get <laughs> scurvy from it. But it says in verse 13, the day it rained, the day it rained. The day that they got in is the day that it rained. You know, was it because of the rain that, you know, did it start dripping and then they got in? Or was it that they just got in the boat? Alright, this is the day God told us that seven days were in the boat and then when they were in there. Started a rain. I don't know. I, I tend to, you know, I'll go with the second one because I feel like there's more faith sometimes involved in that. You know, all right, God, we're in the boat. Supposed to be here, but I don't see the rain yet. You know, we got here. We got here at different times this morning, and my kids were like, "Where, where's my rain?" I'm like, "Don't worry, he'll be here." Don't worry. you know, it's not a big deal. You know, you guys saying the last thing, where are they last week? You know, it's like we'll be there. We'll get there. Um, but we have to have faith that God's going to show up. You know, I remember uh, in the old days, before we had cell phones, like in high school, you'd say, you want to meet at the mall? You'd say, okay, we'll meet at the mall at 3 o'clock at the food court. I'll meet you over there. you go over there and wait. You'd sit on the curb or you'd sit in, sit in there. And eventually your friend would show up. Hopefully, they're your friend. <laughs> you know, nowadays I think people ghosted ghosting for them often. But I, there's a little bit of faith involved. I trust my friend. I love my friend. I know they love me. And I know that they're going to show up. Um, even if I don't see them here yet, even though I don't see their cars in the parking lot yet. Um, but have you ever been somewhere and you're not sure if it's the right place? Get there. Well, they told me to be here, but is this the right place? I've never been here before. I don't know if I made the right turn. There's no lights on. You know, is this the right place yet? Um, you know, nowadays we can just text and find out, or just Google and get the answer. Um, but I think that sometimes God, in fact, I know sometimes God will have us go somewhere or do something, and we do it, uh, and then we end up standing around waiting. God, I don't see what I expected to see. I don't see what I thought I would see. I don't know why I'm here, God. You got me here, but why You know, why am I here this morning or this day? But don't worry. God asks you to go somewhere. He tells you to do something. The rain will come. The rain will come. You may not even know what it's going to look like. like no, I wasn't even necessarily sure what exactly it was going to look like. Uh, but just to be there. Be where we're supposed to be. You know, Noah was going to be shut in for being obedient for all those years. Sometimes you just think of this, like, why, God, am I in this situation where I feel like there's no option, no hope, no choice, and I've just been obedient to you this whole time. Why? Well, it's because you've been obedient to God, because this is what God has for you, the best for you, the best place for you. Even if you don't understand it, even if it doesn't look like, even if it looks pointless at the time, don't go wandering off. Don't go wandering off. You know, I think we'll miss it. I think at the very least it's like, You miss things. I think a lot of times, like, you know, as as kids, you know, we tell our kids to go sit somewhere and do something, or we get something ready and they'll want to go wandering off. And, you know, maybe you'll miss it. You know, you'll miss what I'm pointing to out the window as we're driving, or you'll miss the beginning of the movie, you know. The previews are so long. I'm going to get up and I'm going to go get a snack. But you didn't realize that it was the last preview. Now you're going to miss the first 15 minutes of the movie that you paid for. Don't go wandering off. How much more important is it with the Lord? But it says here that they brought in the animals of the earth and of the air. You know, Noah didn't have, um, uh, what do you call it, a fish tank on board. He didn't have an aquarium on board. That's what I was looking for. Uh, the, the fish took care of themselves. There's water, there's fish They took care of themselves. But it was the animals who breathed air on the land and in the air who needed a place to go, a refuge. And I wonder, again, this is just me being weird and thinking, you can turn off now if you want to. Uh, But maybe there wasn't salt water yet. Maybe before the flood, it was all fresh. Maybe because rain hadn't come, minerals hadn't washed down in the ocean, all these things hadn't happened. You know, the ocean's got nowhere to drain, really, so it gets salty. It's kind of like the Dead Sea. There's no outlet. So that's where it goes. Evaporation happens and leaves behind everything behind it. Um, But maybe there wasn't salt water yet. Maybe these fish could have survived. You know, nowadays there are species that some can can go back and forth, but most either one or the other, and they'll die. It's weird. You know, it's like they'll die if they not in the right kind of water. Um, it's interesting. But maybe it wasn't salt water yet. Again, I'm just thinking maybe judgment had something to do with this. Maybe judgment had something to do with the effect of the water, and the way that uh, the water is uh, salty. I don't know. But it said all flesh which had the breath of life. You know, again, so I don't think Noah went out, like the CDC, and tried to capture every little disease he could find and them into a jar and make sure it all made it. Um, but he brought the animals on board. He brought the birds on board. He brought the bugs on board. Um, stuff that breathed. You know, plants, they have seeds. You know, plants can be wiped out and their seeds are there, or the thaws out so they will start growing up again. Uh, you know, and hopefully have a garden one day. Um, but you know, fish swim. They lay eggs and things, all these things. You know, there's animals that can go in the mud and hibernate, and come out. And they live beyond it. Um, but again, you know, it wouldn't be long enough to destroy all of that. Uh, but it was just too long for any of of breeding uh, that lived on land to survive um, without the boat. You know, a bird can fly for a little while, but it's not going to fly for 40 days as far as I know of. But I wonder, how long do you think you can go on survival? You know, they say that you can live basically three minutes without oxygen, you know, your brain doesn't get oxygen for three minutes, so three to six minutes, um, you know, you'd be brain dead. You can go basically about three days without water, uh, basically about three weeks without food, you know, uh, sometimes longer than that. Uh, but basically this idea that there's only so long you can, breathe, you can live without the necessities of life. You know, we see Moses on the mountain, he was sustained for 40 days. Jesus was in the wilderness, was same forty days without food. Again, that's probably about the max you can go. But you know, the max I can go is about fourteen minutes. without eating something, you know. So uh, I don't know. That's, I don't know if, if that's for me or not. You know, they have to, you know, make sure you consult your doctor before you go in the wilderness, Moses, see if your heart is healthy enough for it. But how you know? How long have you felt shut in? In the circumstance of life, how long have you felt shut in? Has it been that forty days yet? Has it been up to the very point of? The end for you? You know, are you just squirming, squinting, or quietly waiting through it? You know, uh, it's like going to the DMV. It's like it feels like 40 days. You know, you just get me out of here, check your watch, check your numbers. if they been called? You know, and I can't I can't imagine what it would have been like to be on a boat. And You know, maybe he's got a calendar, he's checking out days, but he doesn't know how many days he's going to check it off. You know, it's like the people in prison just scratch on the wall to keep a track of how many days they've been there. But it says that they all went in as God had commanded them. That all these animals went in because they were being obedient to God. That getting there was because of their uh, animal obedience, but also really human obedience to God's word. There would have been no place for them to go if Noah hadn't obeyed God's word. Uh, But the staying in, the being protected in, the being shut in, the being surrounded by this ark uh, was God's hand. It was God's intervention. they needed to obey to get to where they needed to be, but if they obeyed and went where they needed to be, God's protection would be upon them. God couldn't guarantee them any protection outside of the ark. And it's the same way with God's law. You know, people complain about the commandments, but God's given us a safe place to run and to have our relationships and have our society. And we want Him to provide for us outside of that commandment. Well, God, how come you're not blessing me even though I'm not being faithful in my life? Well, go where you need to be Get in the yard and you'll be safe. You know my kids can run around and be safe all day in the yard. Just don't go play in the street. I can't guarantee you're going to be safe there, which is why. In fact, I can guarantee you're not going to be safe there. That's why I don't say go in there. But that was God's role to keep them safe. All they had to do was get there. All they had to do was build it, and God make sure that they got through. When I think about Calvinism and Arminianism. You know, one it's totally our choice of free will, and the other it's totally God's sovereignty. Well, I honestly believe it's both. You've got free will to obey, but God shows us. And it's kind of, you know, it depends on which way you're kind of looking at it. And I look at it as God wanted me to be saved, And how could I, how can I not choose that? I mean, obviously there's a way for me not to, but, uh, you know, we have eternal security, but I think we have to allow God to shut us in from that. We have to allow God to set up our lives in a place where we won't have to worry about our eternal security. You have to wonder, if you're worried about your eternal security, how are you living your life? Are you living your life... On the edge of the boat, are you jet skiing on the back, or skiing on the back of the ark going, am I eternally secure? Well, maybe you feel that way because you're hanging on on a tiny little rope on the back of the boat. Maybe if you get into where you're supposed to be, you won't have to worry about it. Again, I don't worry about it. I'm not saved. I'm not saved. Like, oh, you saved him. I'm born again. I know that this is not some sort of file on a hard drive that can be corrupted. I'm a new person. And I have the mark of the Holy Spirit in my life. And that's my guarantee, the Bible says, the Holy Spirit. I'm going to heaven. You know, I don't need to worry about making sure I'm in some book of life. I know I'm in the book of life because God has told me that uh, through his son, Jesus. You know, and again, I'm not looking to go anywhere but home to heaven. And if I start feeling like I want to go somewhere other than heaven as my main home, well, then I should probably start to wonder which way I'm looking. Am I trying to get out of where God has kept me in? But let's go on here. Uh, close out here soon. Uh, the flood was on the earth. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Don't read my notes. Read Bible. 17 to 24 says, Now the flood was on the earth forty days. The waters increased and lifted up the ark and it rose high above the earth. The waters prevailed and greatly increased on the earth and the ark moved about on the surface of the waters and the waters prevailed exceedingly on the earth and all the high hills under the whole heaven were covered. The waters prevailed fifteen cubits upward and the mountains were covered and all flesh died that moved on the earth, birds and cattle and beasts of every creeping thing that creeps on the earth and every man. all in whose nostrils was the breath of the spirit of life, all that was on dry land died. So we destroyed all living things which were on the face of the ground, both man and cattle, creeping thing and bird of the air. They were destroyed from the earth. only Noah and those who were with him in the ark remained alive. And the waters prevailed on the earth, one hundred. And 50 days again we see that the earth was on the the flood was on the earth for 40 days That 40 days it took 40 days to reach the peak it was raining it was bubbling up it was gushing out for 40 days and didn't stop the, you know run the sink and the sink is stopped up and it keeps flowing and blowing until you stop the water the water kept going you know, I think that that's a lot of water I know that's a lot of water I can't imagine how much water that is. Um, I'm not one for the ocean, but uh, the ocean's a pretty big deal, you know, you watch these The Power of Water, you know, you watch these videos about the tsunamis, you know, you always think of a tsunami like this big cartoonish wave, but it's like this wave that comes in and it's very deceiving. It's not necessarily the fastest thing, but it's moving and it just doesn't stop. Runs into buildings, runs into cars, just keeps going and going and going. And things get swiped, it doesn't look like the most powerful thing, but it's powerful. I remember being in the Bahamas, and we were swimming in this little, uh, like, inlet for a canal. And when tide would come in or out, we would try to walk across the thing. It wasn't dangerous or anything. It was just, you know, part where you swim and part where the, kind of the sand was. And you'd try and swim across, it. and it was like, water didn't look that strong, but you could barely move across it. Um, that's it. You know, water is powerful. But thankfully, the arc was buoyant. The arc was buoyant. It was able to float in all of this. And I want to look at that for a second because I think uh, the ability or tendency to float in water or air or some other fluid, you know, it's the power of a liquid to keep something afloat. The water, the boat displaced enough water to hold itself up. You know, uh, buoyancy can also mean optimistic or a cheerful disposition uh, or high-level activity in an economy or start market. You know, renewed buoyancy and demand for steel. Um, but I wonder, are we buoyant? Do we float? You know. Dead bodies float in water, so to speak. You know, when someone's dead, they float in the water. But when you're alive, sometimes you don't swim, when you kick and flail, you begin to sink. But I wonder if we float? Do we keep floating up and up and up when the storm comes, when the flood comes, um, or are we kicking against it? Are we struggling? You know, I think we should be not be killed by the flood, but I think we should be like dead. We're dead to ourselves. in this. We're dead to our old self. We need to live in Christ. So as we float, God is going to get us up through it. You know, I don't know that they had uh, build pumps on the on the on the ark. I don't know that they were over over the side with buckets getting water out. Maybe they were. I mean that's kind of a natural part of being in water. All boats will have these things to get water out of because water just always finds a way to get in. You know, you think you've got the whole thing sealed up, water gets in. I remember trying to make boats out of Lego as a kid. And they had some sets that the hole was all sealed and little weights and they float. But if you try to make it out of anything else, the water would get in. I mean, you know, if you have a house, water gets in anywhere. Your car, it's not like a tiny little seal, water's getting in there. Um, so I don't know. But I think Mary, to some degree, they'd actively keep bailing the water over the side. I don't think it was a carnival cruise, so to speak. But it says that the ark floated and that it moved about on the surface. I feel like in one way, that's the Bible saying, Moses, the most humble man on earth, saying something quite big, and quite small. Oh, the ark moved about on the surface of the water. I, I bet you it moved about on the surface of water. 40 days of a worldwide storm and bubbling up water. I don't think it was a pleasant little, like, oh, floating up to the top. It was probably rough seas. And the book moved about. And the word move about means to go, to walk, to come, to depart, to proceed, to move, to go away, or to die, or to live, or a matter of life, so to speak, you know, to move on into the next life. It also mean to lead, to lead away, to carry, to bring. But even if the earth didn't change from the effect of the flood, I know it did, even if the earth looked exactly like water came, it was exactly, looked exactly like it did before the flood is after the flood. Um, you know, obviously it did. There's erosion. There's earth up people. Obviously flood damage, water has power. It changes things. But no one in his family, the animals would never be back where they were. They would never get back to where they were before the flood. I think a lot of people, when there's damage in their lives, that's, the, that's what they want to get back to. Get my house back to where it was get my neighborhood back to where it was, get my family back to where it was, and we'll be okay when we get back to where we used to be, you know. But they would never be back where they were. And they never know where they once lived, you know. They're never going to find it again. Um, you know, it's like the Garden of Eden. Once they left, they left. Um, you know, the video game, Lost Woods, you know. You go and try and find your way to the mass story. Once you get the mass Sorta, everything changes and you get back there. Where did all this world go? <laughs> <laughs> but you know, in Revelation, there's a new heavens, new universe, and new earth, and things are different. You know, God lights up. There's no need for the sun anymore. There's no darkness, no tears, no pain, no, no oceans. There's one large river of God. There's a tree of life, a heavenly Jerusalem. But you can never go back. Once you're in heaven, you never go back. You never want to go back, but even if you could, it doesn't exist anymore. It's not there anymore. You know, everything was changed or different. It was new or reborn. You know, like when we came back... Uh, From Maryland, maybe that's part of what we thought. Maybe we'll go back to where we were. This is where God would have us go. But things were different. And not necessarily better or worse, but it was just different. The people that we uh, used to be around don't live here anymore. You know, a lot of people moved on. Thankfully, you guys are here. But sincerely, things are different. The church are different. The atmosphere is different. I think about, I was thinking the other day about youth group, doing youth group years ago with uh, my friends and, you know, it's not there anymore. You know, the kids aren't even there anymore. The kids have grown up and gone out and they're married and living up. It's like, it's, even if I wanted to go back and do it again, I couldn't because it's, it's different. But I think our lives need to be this way. We're going to close here in a minute. Uh, our lives need to be this way. You know, uh, in Luke 5, we won't turn there for time, but 5.11 says, when they, the disciples, had brought their boats to land, they forsook all, and they followed Jesus. You know, we're not the old you anymore. Not the old me anymore. Even if we wanted to go back to the, the old person, the old life, the longer you've been a believer, it's not there. It's not the same anymore. You know, go back to your old neighborhood. There used, to, there used to be a McDonald's there. Those houses used to be there. There used to be a field we used to play in. Even then, your friends might not even be there. The opportunities aren't going to be there anymore. And I think a lot of times in life, when things don't go well, we try and go back too far. We try and go back to what we know and Again, that's not always a bad thing, you know, when you don't know what to do, you know, do what you, you know what to do, it's been said. Um, but sincerely, we can't go back. We can't be living backwards. As believers, we need to live forward. Because sometimes that means that we'll never see our homeland again. We'll never see our friends or our family again. Uh, but if it's what God has for us, it's the best thing for us. And it might even feel like you're trapped in that for a while. Um, but it says that the waters prevailed... And then the next verse, it says that the waters prevailed exceedingly. Water kept coming up. They prevailed, they took over everything, but then they kept coming, and they kept coming, and they kept coming. And it says that there was, you know, there's basically there was way more water dumped down and gushing up than was needed to flood the earth. God can flood the earth with a little bit less water. Um, you know, like we talked about, there's three times the amount of oceans in that water. Underwater area, plus all the ice caps, plus all the clouds. There's plenty of water to cover the earth even today. But God, God went over and above. There was no doubt about that. The whole place was destroyed. You know, I wonder what the Earth looked like before the flood. You know, certainly it wasn't Pangaea or whatever they think. Um, but may, you know, maybe there was, uh, maybe there was one continent. Maybe there wasn't. You know, but it wasn't like what we, what they think it is. But maybe there was only one ocean. I don't know what it looked like. Um, you know, it's been said. You know, I remember this similar guy. He got in trouble, but I think. He's better now. But uh, they used to ask him, you know, do you believe that uh, the continents are once all connected? And he says, I believe they're still all connected. Under the water is dirt, <laughs> you know. <laughs> it was like, I, I know what he's saying. I know what Paul said are saying. But it's like, you know, there's still all this stuff going on. I, mean, I don't know what it looked like. I don't know how high the highest mountains were. I don't know how low the lowest valleys were. Uh, they just found this new subcontinent between Australia and New Zealand and everything. It's interesting, you know, they find these things. Based on where the water level is, you see what things are connected, it's really interesting. Um but you know, it, at, at least it was fifteen cubits above the highest mountains, you know, forty-five feet or so maybe above the mountains. Um I don't know if Everest was this high back then. Everest probably in my mind didn't exist back then. We'll see later. Um you know, uh Genesis 1025, to Eber were born two sons, neighbor one was Peleg. During these days, the Earth was divided. I suppose his name was Doc 10. Maybe that maybe there was a big upheaval during the flood, maybe it was Underneath the water, all you know, if that was a deep breakup, there's going to be a people of land. Water's going to change things. You know, we talk about the uh, Grand Canyon. If Colorado River carved it, it's flowing uphill. You know, it's like so it had to drain out from another way. Um, so I don't know what it looked like beforehand, but everything was covered. Everything was covered. But said so that birds, animals, and man, all of them, all of them. You know, we see about fossils, you know, obviously some, not everyone in the, not all of the fish survived, um, but we look at fossils, we see that, uh, we see the different the way they the way the cross strata that they say is millions of years, but there's like a tree standing straight up between them all, it's like, <laughs> I don't think it took many years for that to happen. Uh, but it says that the breath of life was gone, that the spirit of life was gone from all these animals when the flood came. And I think about the end times when the Holy Spirit removes the church one day. His direct influence is taken. The spirit of life is taken from this earth. And all that remains is judgment and death. And with that, only Noah and those with him on the ark survived. You know, again, it says that Noah was a central figure. Noah and those with him survived. Uh, His obedience is what gave all these other people, gave us opportunity, gave animals opportunity to survive. You know, I don't know that anyone other than Noah would, would have obeyed. You know, if it, if it keeps saying it like this, I mean, maybe, I don't know, God is gracious in certain ways. But the way this happened, you know, this was this was on Noah's shoulders. And I don't think that he saw it as a burden. I think he saw it as his right and, and acceptable service, like Romans talks about to the Lord. That, man, I'm my life for God. The world's going crazy. God asked me to do something kind of crazy. You know, what's that saying? Desperate times call for desperate measures. And I don't think God is desperate, but when God tells us to do something, we should do it. Because it's not just us. We're not just living in our basement. People depend on us. My family depends on me. If, if I lose my job because I'm a knucklehead, that's not good. If I lose my job because God wills it in another way, then I know he'll take care of us. But sincerely, part of it does rely on me. And I think that, that says, you know, like when Noah, there's the importance of a father or a leader. You know, my kids' faith, large part at this point, depends on me. I don't know that they would, they wouldn't know these things if we didn't teach them. They might have a desire for God, but they might not know the things they know. But again, with Noah, it was on him. God called him to do it. And it would be over a year again, if we read ahead, before everything would be dried up in its final state. Floodwaters receded, they were on the mountain, and then it took more time for it to come down. And then they were able to get out, and then a little time after they were out, all the waters had kind of drained the way they were. You know, that's a long time, 150 days of the water prevailing. And, you know, it flooded for 40 days, but there's a lot more to go to, to get it out. Like a clogged drain, but a get drained. I should clean up the sink and get it down. And it's like, turn the sink off for a little bit, it filled up. You know, it's the same thing with the, earth. the whole earth filled up, and it took a long time for that water to drain back down. As we close here. You know, how long does the flood water prevail against us? And does it prevail? How long until we cry out? Or do we even are we even allow ourselves to get in that state? I mean, are we are we prepared for it? You know, do we float up and do we move about in the waters that God has in our life? Or do we succumb to them? You know, like Jesus walked on water. You know, Peter started to we all know this story. But he looked on the wind and the waves and it began to sink. I wonder if Noah looked out the window at one point point. I wonder if he was hopeless at any. He sent out birds at the end, and they didn't come back. Yeah, obviously, his faith continued. But it doesn't mean they didn't struggle. It doesn't mean that he was enjoying all the time. Maybe he was. Maybe he's holier than the rest of us. And he's able to get through that. But I probably like, oh, man, it's been three days, (laughs) Lord. You know, how long is this going to be? You know, but does your countenance sink? Does your countenance sink when the floods come in our lives? You know, uh, Psalm 124 I'm going to read it for time but read it recently in if, uh, if- it had not been the Lord who was on our side, that Israel now say, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, If men rose up against us, then they would have swallowed us alive. When their wrath was kindled against us, then the waters would have overwhelmed us. The stream would have gone over our soul, and the swollen waters would have gone over our soul. Blessed be the Lord who has not given us his prey to their teeth. Our soul has escaped as a bird from the snare of its fowlers. The snare is broken, and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord, who made the heaven and the earth. Noah didn't write that, but I'm sure Noah felt that. Man, if it wasn't for the Lord, this would have overtaken us. You know, you ever look out in your life and go, man, if it wasn't for the Lord, i might not be where I am today. And I bet you that, that was Noah too. Looking out on the side of the boat, man, if it wasn't for God. God didn't tell me 120 years ago. If I wasn't walking with him 120 years ago, I might not know about this. I might not see this coming. My kids might not be on the boat with me life. Thank you that she's on the boat with me. It's No, not me speaking. <laughs> Whoever God has you shut in, know that he shut you there. Whether it's from your disobedience or your obedience. But he's not outside. He's with you. But if you feel shut out, Luke eleven nine 9, and 10 says, Jesus says, So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. The flood does not have to prevail over you. You don't have to drown. But even if you are, or even if you did, Psalm 139 says this, Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. There's always hope. God is always with us, and he allows hard times in our life for a reason. And uh, he doesn't expect us to go through the uh, there's always hope for the other side of whatever we're trapped in. If we feel trapped in, it's because there's something on the outside that God is doing. So Father, we love you. Thank you, God, for saving Noah and his family, for him hearing you and being obedient to you, even though it looked like total disaster, even though it seemed like there's only a small window of hope. God, you provided for him. And God through him to uh, us God, help us hold on. God, help us stay in the situations you've got us in, where you have us be in them. But God, we want to be out and be in the places where you have us to be, God, um, to be effective for you in the season that we can be effective for you. Noah couldn't go out and do what he wanted to do so the flood was over, so help us remain in those times. But God, where we're asking and seeking and knocking, God, I know you are going an answer. You gave Paul an answer even when it was no. So, God, uh, we look to you for all our answers tonight. Bless our family and our friends. Let us be faithful uh, to you, God, by you, that they might come to you. We love you. In Jesus' name. Amen. I bless you guys.